0: Welcome to The Lore You Know, a show where we chat with some amazing human beings who are storytellers, collectors, and folklorists as we discuss the history of, inspiration behind, and importance of recording and sharing regional tales. Today I have with me author Kevin Paul. Hi, Kevin.
1: Hi, Heather. How are you?
0: I am well. How are you?
1: Fine, thanks. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to be on with you.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited about this. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time in Pennsylvania the last few months, and um, we've been focusing on the Chestnut Ridge, but Green County seems to be a, a, a hot spot, if you will, <laughs> of places.
1: Yeah, you could say that. Um, Chestnut Ridge is pretty well-renowned, um, thanks to folks like uh, Stan Gordon and uh, Eric Altman and Brian Seach. Uh, Ron Murphy, but um, we've got our share of uh, unusual happenings here too. It just um, didn't seem to be as well uh, well documented or at least as well publicized maybe.
0: Yeah. Now, did you grow up in this region then in Green, in the Green County area?
1: Yes. I grew up about five miles outside of Waynesburg, which is the county seat. And um, I live in town now, but I've lived here most of my life, I left for a while, uh, a couple of times, but always gravitated back.
0: Yeah, that's the way it works in Appalachia. You can always come back home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, take
1: what's that, You can take the boy away from home, but you never take the home away from the boy, that sort mm-hmm, of thing.
0: hmm Exactly. So when you were growing up, did you hear stories like spooky tales about Greene County or the surrounding areas, or when did you start to get into this? Uh, desire to share these stories?
1: Well, I grew up with a lot of, um, I guess what you'd call um, the practical, at first, the practical aspects of folklore, like uh, mostly as it related to farming, you know, uh, plant by the signs and, um, mm-hmm. you know, virtually my grandmother was kind of a stickler for doing things by the signs. Right. And as I got older, um the first first thing I remember um seeing that was a well known story locally was uh, when the Mossman uh reports hit the local paper, I would have been 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I discussed that with my grandmother, and then I remember discussing the um the Hopkinsville Goblins uh from oh, Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember uh, remember how old I was, but um I had read it uh in the paper and we were discussing it and, um, um, she never really said she thought they were drunk or they were crazy or anything. She, she just kept, it kept coming back to that. well, they were obviously they were shooting at something. So there must've been something there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some experiences when I was a, a kid, but, um, never really told them too much until, uh, uh, the first book came out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when you do, shows and stuff people want to know about your personal experiences so i've told some of them and then some i i uh, re- i'll tell the story but i still remain anonymous because i you know it's right appalachia and you got family and that sort of thing
0: yeah i understand that for sure <laughs> yeah um so you mentioned planning by the signs what are some of the things that you remember that your grandma used to do like give can you give me some examples
1: well, you, um, you plant your garden, you know, you get the almanac and you plant the garden according to the, whatever phase of the moon is. And then, um, if you're, um, um, I've actually done this when we, we did own some rural property. I used, I used to run a few head of cattle and, um, you can, um, cut weeds on the sign and then it'll stunt or growth. So the, the first real big thing I remember that really drove that home, my uh, my grandfather and his brother um, worked, helped, they he helped each other out and um, they built it. My granddad, you know, the old story about building fence was um, horse high, bull strong, and hog tight. Well, he would build these fences and they would stay built. And they built one from the barn down to the creek. And after three or four years, the, the, the post started coming out of the ground and it was leaning. And I had never, I had never seen that. And I remember asking my grandmother because my granddad worked um, daylights for uh, West Penn power. Mm-hmm. He was a lineman. So I was, um, I'd asked my grandmother what's up with this fence. And she said, well, I told, told them when they did it, they put it in on the wrong sign. If you don't set your post in the r- on the right sign, they'll come out of the ground. Mm. And that's um, that was the first thing that I really really remember driving at home. The most, most recent one, um, I think year before last, I was in a local big box retailer, and it was late in the planting season, and they had um, seed potatoes that were so cheap, they were practically giving them away. And I really had no intention on planting potatoes, but yeah. I, I bought the last five-pound bag, and I looked, and I thought it was the wrong sign. I, well, I thought I'll plant them anyway. Had these beautiful, the most beautiful potato plants I've ever had in my life. They're loaded with blossoms. I maybe got five potatoes. And, uh, you know, according to the lore, if you plant the long sign, wrong sign, you'll have beautiful plants, but no potatoes. And that's pretty much the way it worked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you've experienced it firsthand. Did, um, did you grow up with other types of what people might consider like folk magic, like dowsing or anything like that?
1: Um, I wasn't around much dowsing though. I was in college. Um, mm-hmm. I would hear some folk remedies every now and then, um, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But nothing. Um, I'm trying to think here. Other than forecasting weather and that sort of thing, no, not really.
0: Right. What are some of the weather signs that you can remember? Like, I, I, the one that always sticks with me is if the leaves turn upside down. It's going to rain. Well,
1: yeah. The leaves turn upside down. Um, there's one. Um, a lot of people know this When If smoke rises in a column straight up in the air, you'll have fair weather. But if it rises and then flattens out, uh, you're going to have precipitation. Uh, one my grandmother taught me was... Um, we lived about, oh, maybe 100, 100 uh, yards down the road from my grandparents. So, between our house and their house was the chicken house and the smokehouse and a couple of other things. And the chickens had, um, she had let the chickens out in the morning and they were all over the place. I mean, they'd gone a considerable distance. And I asked her what was up with the chickens. And she said, well, it's going to rain when they, uh, when, when they, you know chickens that are used to being in a coop and they spread out like that they're foraging because they know they know it's, the rain's coming if you if you feed birds um at a bird feeder even in town you can uh, they'll do the same thing you can tell they're going to have a change in weather because they'll hit the bird feeder pretty hard about oh 18 to 24 hours in advance wow and things will be louder before it rains um one thing that was really local for us, there was a um, coal mine in a little town called Mather that was probably oh at least ten miles away, and it had the big uh, slate dump that you know caught fire from internal combust or uh, yeah some spontaneous combustion, mm-hmm. and you could smell it at our house right before rain. Mm-hmm. So it was just stuff like that. Trains would be louder, yeah, that sort of thing.
0: So. <clears throat> You mentioned seeing the stories about the Mothman um, when that was actively happening. When you were mm-hmm. when you were reading that and talking with your family about it, did they have any thoughts on what that might be? Did it harken back to any stories that they had heard or any theories at all?
1: Um, not particularly the only thing I, um, my mother wasn't too inclined to discuss that kind of stuff because she pretty much dismissed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember a couple of family members, a little skeptical at, at the reports of them driving, what was it? 90 miles an hour and a mothman yeah. keeping up with them. But then again, um, you know, I don't recall my grandmother saying one way or the other, but she, the, it it just keep coming back was, well, they saw something. Right. She wouldn't, she wouldn't really say what it was, but she was more like, uh, she would sort of encourage you to think outside the box a little bit and not dismiss everything as, you know, hallucinations, hallucinations, I'm tongue tied. (laughs) You can tell it's Monday hallucinations um, or, you know, people drinking or that sort of thing.
0: Right. Yeah. So then what inspired you to start getting into the folklore and recording these stories? What, was there a book at the library when you were younger, or you just heard a particular tale and that just sparked this interest? Where did this get started?
1: Well, I'd heard stories all my life about, um, you know, this this particular house is haunted or that particular house is haunted, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things that you accepted. And then um, I'd had some personal experiences that as a kid they sort of waxed and waned, and then as as I grew older, they came sort of came back a little stronger. And um, I think I think I would touch on this briefly in the first book. I had um, I'd seen some stuff um, that was beyond my experience. You know, i I'd, uh, I'd seen shadows. We've seen shadow people most of my life. And you kind of, you know, you don't kind of shrug them off. But I was seeing some other things. And I um, had heard Rosemary Ellen Giley on on a radio broadcast. So I sent her an email. And it kind of, I don't know, but to work with her was like, um, it was like stepping into wonderland because, um, (laughs) you know, you could tell her a story and she could tell you a story of someone else that had a similar experience. Mm-hmm. so um we were sitting i was helping her with do some research here and um we were sitting in a local restaurant having lunch one day and and she said um and i've told this story frequently she just out of the blue said you should write a book um you write the book and my pub i'll edit it and my publishing company will print it and i and i had been told um in the late, mid to late 70s uh, at WVU that I should write. I Most of my college career was, I went to class part-time mm-hmm. and I needed three hours of English to graduate. And the only um, class I found that fit my work schedule was this night class where you wrote short stories. Ah. So, and this was pre- computer. So you would write your story and the, the professor would read it and then reproduce it and distribute it to the class, everybody in the class the next session. And you'd read these stories. And um, I wrote this story about this waterhole bar I used to frequent here in town and about a fight I'd seen one night. And um, he, I, he was at the end of the semester, he was excited. He said, you should write, you really, you know, you really should think about it. Well, I was, you know, Twenty twenty-two 22 years old it went in one ear and out the other mm-hmm. and then when rosemary mentioned it it kind of clicked and it took me a long time to to do my part of the uh first book but uh after that it just kind of snowballed but i had collected collected stories and research stuff all along it was just kind of a curiosity thing on my part
0: mm-hmm. did you collect some of the stories just like um maybe somebody was telling you a story and you would just jot it down or local newspapers. Like, how did you start accumulating these stories?
1: Um, a little bit of both. Um, a lot of it was word of mouth, the, uh, like the, um, the uh, Mordock house in the second book that was word of mouth. I'd heard that place was haunted for as long as I could remember, you know, just that sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. I'd, I've heard stories that the, um, that the local Beagle Club is haunted, but I've never gone down to check it out. I've heard people say you can go past there at night, and if there's a rocking chair in a porch, it rocks by itself, but
0: mm. it's not the best
1: road, and I've just never gone down there.
0: Right, right. Uh, <laughs> what are some other things that you haven't quite looked into yet, but maybe in the third book? Is there a third book coming?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, it's, it's sort of started. I've got a really...
0: Both of them oh, here thanks. right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got a um got a really fascinating report um sort of out of the unexpected about a uh um I guess you'd call it a UAP now but a UFO yeah that was seen um near uh, West Green high School, which is probably about nine miles west of where I am here. So the story goes on a Friday night during a f- football game. So there was multiple witnesses. Um, supposedly it landed at one point and came back a second date. And I got, I got the story from a very credi- credible source and they mentioned some of the eyewitnesses at the time and, and it was guys I actually knew, but unfortunately they're no longer with us. So I'm, I'm going to look into that. Um, I'm looking into um uh connection between local politics and paranormal activity is another site i can't really say where it is because we're it's very yeah. preliminary
0: mm-hmm. um mm.
1: that sort of thing um i you would see online where people chat or chatting about um encountering things um there's a, a location um in wayne township Uh, It's been in one of the local newspapers where guys will uh, go coon hunting and something will put their dogs out of the woods and the dogs won't go back in. Well, I went out there with, uh, I'll say, a volunteer because she probably doesn't want her name given. Mm -hmm. Um, And we actually saw something out there. It was probably about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know what it was. but
0: Wow, broad daylight. Yeah. What did it, I mean, what did you... What did it look like? I mean, could you make out a shape It was or... a
1: humanoid and it was gray. Mm. It just got a glimpse of it. it. It was uh it stepped out from behind a tree. Mm. Um kind of spindly.
0: Okay.
1: Didn't fit the wow. description of Sasquatch.
0: Right, right. Interesting. Well, we've kind of uh skirted around it, but your your books are called Haunted Hills and Hollows and Haunted Hills and Hollows 2. Um, and it covers Greene County. What are Greene County, Pennsylvania? Can you give me kind of a broad description of some of the weirdness that occurs in Greene County specifically? Um,
1: we have, <laughs> I spoke with a psychic um, in Butler, a Mary Petrella, I don't know whether you've met her yet or not. Yeah, but we were we were we were just chatting and uh and i said we have everything in green county except the giant reptile and she said that's only because you haven't met it yet (laughs) and i you know and i'm i'm assuming she's joking we've got um we've got the usual local urban legends like stovepipe and the crybaby bridge Mm -hmm. we've got um there's some dog man reports, some of which are credible, and some of them I, I haven't made up my mind up. Um, we do get some Bigfoot, uh, some Sasquatch reports, not, ne- not nearly as many as the Chestnut Ridge, but we do get them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of UFO re- activity. Um, some other, uh, I'm not sure, uh, I get, I refer to them as non-human entities, um, things that sort of look yeah. like gargoyles. Um. Oh. uh, That's fairly. That's just been the last five, five, six years I've caught wind of that, and um. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, that sort of slender, I don't, I'll stick man. I don't want to say slender man, like like a stick yeah. man kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, spectral dogs. Um, just. Just about it. Well, we don't have Civil War soldiers like they do in Gettysburg, but we've got a lot of other stuff.
0: Right. The uh the spectral dogs. Where do they tend to pop up?
1: Um, I've seen them in town. Um, oh, really? Yeah. They'll um, they pop up here and there, but I've I've seen several in town.
0: Mm-hmm. When it comes to some of these uh, sightings, have you noticed a pattern where like? say, and I don't know how often people reach out to you personally, but do you get like a, a lull in activity? And then all of a sudden you find out, find a bunch of reports all of a sudden, or a bunch of people come to you. Like, are you seeing patterns?
1: That's kind of the way it works. I I don't really <laughs> see patterns except um, there's one, um, there's one location in the first book where the uh, uh, person, when she was a young woman, is grabbed by the thing that looked like a lobster. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to have a lot of activity kicks up with the right before the full moon. Um, mm. and it, it appears to be, um, if you're going to put, I'd have to say right now, it looks like Sasquatch. Hmm.
0: Mm. Yeah. what is the typical, um, when, when you do get Sasquatch reports or those sightings, what is the t- typical behavior? Uh, of so is it just like passing by? People happen to see it. Is it aggressive? Is it like guarding something? Is there something to it?
1: So far, um, it's just been passive uh, and passing by. Um, mm-hmm. I know one case where one seems to have eaten. They had a, a bucket full of apples um, that they were going to give their. These people were going to give their goats, and uh, went out the next morning. The apples were gone, and there's footprints in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so fairly passive. Um, I don't know of any uh, aggressive ones. There was um, Rosemary's here one night uh, several years ago for a, a uh, black, uh, black Mirror scrying session. She was trying to teach people how to do that. And um, we felt like that there was something that was approaching the building we were in. And then it it kind of went away, and I got a couple days after she went home, I got a call from Stan Gordon that um Bigfoot had been seen crossing the uh, highway in front of them, the hotel where rosemary was staying. so oh, uh, wow, I used to tease her about the, hey, <laughs> Bigfoot came to see if she was real. yeah, but um yeah, nothing um. Nothing aggressive that I'm aware of. A lot of snarl. Uh, well, it's not a lot. I, there's been a couple that one people, one person in particular got snarled at. But
0: mm-hmm. are there any um, more aggressive entities that tend to pop up in Greene County?
1: Um, Jin. Um, other than that. <sighs> not your typical cryptids that I'm aware of.
0: Yeah. Can you go into gin a little bit? That's something we haven't actually covered on any of these episodes yet.
1: Well, gin's one of those things you have to sort of watch what you you say. Um, Yeah. In Western lore, they're dismissed as genies. So they're either blue and they have a collar and cuffs on and they come out of a bottle. (laughs) Right. Or they all look like Barbara Eden. Mm Mm-hmm and that's not really the case. They're uh, a very ancient race of mortal beings that um, were created before humanity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I guess you could say there's a bit of a turf war where they kind of look at us as uh, squatters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, John Keel would probably have called them ultra terrestrials because they sort of jump back and forth from their world into ours, but they're, um, um, you kind of have to be careful when you're around them because they can cause you some real problems.
0: Yeah. What? Um. So this is. I mean, this. I'm. I'm excited about this because I'm not familiar with these very much at all. But how do they manifest? Is this a situation where like they look like people and you well, don't know who you're talking to? Or... Well, they're
1: the. They're like the shapeshifter shapeshifter. <laughs> okay. Um. They can be. Um, just about anything. And if you, if I haven't really studied a lot of the European lore, Mm -hmm. uh, other than what is repeated around here, but I, um, I have read some of Rosemary's work on the gin, and they, um, she makes a pretty valid argument that um, they can, they can be ETs, they can be fairies, they can be leprechauns, uh, cryptids, just about anything but they're, they're like the masters of deception. Okay. But they hide in plain sight. Uh, and the, uh, she did, she actually did two very good books. Uh, one's better than the other. Um, she did one, uh, she was co-author of one called the vengeful gin, which is still in print, but um, the second one was called the gin connection and it's no longer in print, but um, uh, some of the research we, I helped her with the research on the first one and the, and uh, in the Vengeful Gin, Green County actually uh, opens the book. She doesn't identify it, but that's what it mm-hmm. is. But, but again, you have to—you um, sort of have to be careful. Uh, I—they um, can hurt people.
0: Mm-hmm. So, is this one of the one of those entities where, like, people don't like to use the term "skinwalker" sometimes because it kind of is the idea that it will uh, get its attention. Is that a similar thing for these entities? Um, Actually,
1: you don't have to say their name to get their attention. You can, you can show up, you can show up someplace that they think is theirs and you've got their attention. Uh, I mean, they're not all there's, there's good ones, there's bad ones and there's Mm -hmm. indifferent ones. Most of them are, um, they're sort of like fairies. I, okay. Well, probably the same entity, but uh, mm-hmm. some of them won't, won't bother you. Some of them could care less. And then the ones that don't want you around, the ones you got to be careful.
0: Right, right. So <clears throat> in Greene County, what is one of the most famous um, like haunted stories or ghost stories, I guess I should say? I don't know why I said haunted stories like a haunted house or a farm or something?
1: Well, probably the most well-known would be the, uh, former Greene County, uh, That's now the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of activity there. Um, there's a lot of, a fair amount of residual, uh, human apparitions. And there's also, and I, I mean, I say this in the book, there's, I, I believe there's also gin there. Um, and do you, I haven't seen, uh, haven't seen any UFOs. I haven't seen anything in the sky there, but there's been just about everything else. Um, odd sounds, uh, odd, you know, bad odors,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, balls of light, um, shadowy figures. Uh, I saw the, some of the gargoyles have been seen out there, the spindly, uh, Skinny humanoid things, um, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, um, and uh, I I suspected it was gin because it was very similar to the farm that's described in the first book that Roseberry and I had investigated because you could see the same same types of um, behavior. I don't want to use the beh- behavior strategy. They they mm-hmm. have a they. The, um, when they decide to uh, move against someone, it's it's very well thought out. It's it's, okay. it's quite tactical in the way they do it. And um, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, I'm kind of on the on the fringe on some of this stuff because I've become convinced. You know, one of the one of the things that's um, kind of a, uh, a given as a as a fact in the paranormal community is that um, the reason the batteries and your equipment go dead is because the entities are using the energy. And I, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I think the equipment, the batteries and equipment goes dead because the energy field it's giving off is annoying the entity that you're trying to observe.
0: <laughs> ah. and, it,
1: and they make a conscious decision to shut it off. And And I'll just give you one right. example. Um Time after time after time, we would set equipment up at that f- uh, farm south town here. So there'd be our, and there was a pretty fair group of us. So there'd be three or four vehicles. There was a, a two trucks that were parked there the whole time, um, a couple tractors, and a bar- battery-powered fence charger. None of that stuff ever went dead. It was always the stuff that we were using to try to monitor. Or, you know, and we did the whole, you know, she had a ghost box at Frank, you know, this was an honest to goodness, Frank Sumption ghost box. And Mm -hmm. we had all that stuff and we eventually abandoned it because we'd go out there and it would just shut down. Mm -hmm. So we would have sometimes uh, a a recorder, but mostly just a digital camera and we would just sit and wait.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It eventually um, gets to that point.
1: Yeah. And so I, um, I, uh, and again, this is, and I'm, I'm skeptical by nature. And and when I was in college, I worked in the automotive aftermarket and I sold batteries for 10 years, both wet and dry cell. And if you're not, if you don't test your battery, when you're it, you have no idea if it's fully charged. And a lot of times they're not mm-hmm. uh, right out of the package. So I'm, um, I'm. Early on when we were investigating, we used electronics. I, um, I used two game cameras, rarely a recorder and a digital camera and dowsing rods. But it, there again, um, another thing in the paranormal community, um, you go someplace uh, like the museum where I was beginning to suspect there was non-human entities there. I doused it and asked, you know, can I set my stuff up and will you leave it alone? And if I, and asked where to set it up and I set it up where it was agreed on. And, um, I never had any problem with it. other guys, other people go out there and their stuff goes dead. I'd turn it on, leave it all night and go back the next morning, pick it up. Wow. So I, I think, um, I think a lot of this stuff and there again, that's another thing that, uh, the non-human entities like to do, they want you to think it's ghosts, but it isn't necessarily. I don't, <laughs> um, if you're yeah. familiar with Michael Heiser's work, um, mm-hmm. he's a biblical scholar. He has written about um, second century Hebrew interpretation of what a demon is. Well, Hollywood tells us that demons all serve Satan and they're going to drag us all to hell. Mm-hmm. And Heiser says the second century Hebrews said a demon was a supernatural being without supernatural power that wasn't God. Mm -hmm. And that's where this all comes in. Um, and it fits with the folklore, you know, the, the folklore of, of gin and fairies and, and uh, leprechauns and, and, um, uh, Native American beliefs and so on. But I, um, you can, you can read, uh, what the Muslims say are signs to look for if, if there might be gin around, and you can rattle off a laundry list of stuff that happens out of the museum, just one right after wow. another.
0: Wow. Is, um, does the museum get investigated by teams often? Or? Um,
1: fairly often, but it's Oh, um, uh, well, I don't want to come off sounding too negative. Um, a lot of gadgets. Mm Um, and again, I'm not a gadget guy. Um, I grew up with tube radios and, um, that's just not my thing. I, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in folklore, you don't need it because it's already been explained and you have Mm -hmm. to look, and then you have to look for the signs and these things communicate not on our terms, but on theirs and you have to pay Mm -hmm. attention. And they'll they'll mm-hmm. tell you what what you need to do, but right. you have to um you have to assume that while you're there, you're not actually the one that's in control. You know, we might control the bricks and the mortar, but you know, we're lightweights once you get on the other side of the right the door there.
0: That's very true. So of the times that you've investigated various locations, um, what was one of the times where it was I don't know. It was just, um, I don't want to say terrifying, but like really shook you to a certain extent that like, was there something that ever something that happened that it just made you second guess things, uh, made you really uneasy, just like maybe this was a mistake to even be here.
1: Um, that's happened several times. Um, it's happened at the museum. Um, When I was dowsing, you could tell um, uh, I was out there, oh, gosh, it was probably in January. Mm. I I checked with the director and asked him if he minded if I went out and walked around on a Sunday afternoon. Mm. Um, I was actually looking for bobcat tracks but because there was snow on. But uh, I had my dowsing rods with me, and you could hear from the inside of the building, it sounded like somebody was dragging furniture around, which, you know, is not an uncommon sound in in supposedly haunted places. But I um I sat down at a picnic table and got the dowsing rods out and I said uh, and I asked am I annoying you and I got yes and I said well
0: <laughs>
1: should I leave now it's like yes and I said okay so I left um that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah um I tried automatic writing out there once and um Something came in behind me at a, at a very high rate of speed, and I—that's um, it, another sort of a warning sign. You know, if they come around behind you like dogs, you need to pack up your stuff and go.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. So the museum you said was the former poorhouse. Yes. What is the time frame on that building?
1: Oh, the county got it right around the beginning of the Civil War. It was actually built by one of my distant cousins. Um,
0: uh-huh.
1: um Yeah, we're connected to that land. Um, you know, for better or worse, we <laughs> we skirmished with the with the locals. Yeah. Um, it um, the brick structure started in eighteen sixty, or was done by the eighteen sixties. And then they added on to it. Part of that, there was there was a at least one log house out there, um, mm-hmm. but that would have been seventeen uh, eighties somewhere in there, probably before, because I know it's mentioned in um, in the local writ- written history about some of the uh, at least one of the Reinhardts was killed out there um, mm-hmm. when there was some difficulty with the Native Americans.
0: The um, Native American lore in the area. I mean, are there uh, mounds in that area anywhere, or any remnants of settlements? Has it all kind of been flattened for farming? There's,
1: There's lots, lots of places where there are settlements, um, but you know, like you say, the plow kind of ruined them. Mm-hmm. When I was in elementary school, um, it was nothing for kids to bring in arrowheads that when yeah. they were, yeah, when they were plowing cornfields. There were quite there were quite a number of settlements um, there are some documented mounds there's probably more than what were documented There's some petroglyphs in the county um, mm. uh, so yeah there was a there was a fairly large Native American population. There was a site within walking distance of where I w- was raised um, that my grandparents referred to the Indian Rock. Um, it's gone now because it, they put the interstate through it. But it was on top of a ridge.
0: Uh huh.
1: And you've been you've been to Fayette County, PA, right?
0: Uh, probably. We've driven a lot the last few months. I'm not sure what all counties we've been in.
1: Well, um, you know how you get towards the mountains, and there'll be wooded areas, and then there'll just be these big pieces of sed- sedimentary rock sitting on top of the ground that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, you get around like Preston County, West Virginia, or or Fayette mm-hmm. County, and it looks normal because that stuff's everywhere. Yeah, so this was off by itself, like somebody just sat it there, and it was, a re- and I barely remember it. It was still there when I was a kid, and according to the family history, um, they did try to move it when they were putting the interstate through, but it's, it, but it fell apart when they tried to pick it up.
0: Oh. But, there,
1: but there was know. I'll tell a story. I'll I'll tell it myself here. But, you know, one of my previous jobs, I had access to some government planning software where you could, we were doing, we did work with cultural resources. Well, I got curious one day and just thought about places where my grandmother told me that according to family history, the Indians hung out Mm -hmm. and all these places matched up with what the PennDOT software said were had you been here in the during back in the day, you would have encountered Native Americans or, or a settlement or whatever, yeah. and they li- also lined up with par- sites of paranormal activity. So,
0: oh, interesting. Yeah, the <clears throat> the Indian Rock was it like a was it a. The size of a boulder, because I'm thinking where I grew up, there are boulders and, and things left in the woods, which reminds me a lot of what we've seen in Pennsylvania when we drive out there. But was it was it massive? Was it just too heavy to pick up? I'm trying to think of how um, big of a rock we're talking.
1: You know what? I in my memory it was like seven, eight feet high, and, okay, and so several feet like across. Mm-hmm. And it was um, it was sandstone. Yep. And it was um, sloped on the top, and it was kind of, it was narrow at the bottom and wide at the top, but it just sat in this, in these trees, and it just didn't really make any sense, because there's really nothing else like that around here, without, Mm -hmm. you know, moving a lot of earth.
0: Right, right, right. Interesting. That sucks that it fell apart, though. Yeah. That's... (laughs) Uh, well, um, at the end of every show, I always ask my guests to tell me a story. So could you tell me a story from Greene County that we haven't already discussed?
1: You want a short story or a long one?
0: It's up to you. Dealer's choice.
1: Well, a, n- a number of years ago, um, and I don't think I've told this publicly. A number of years ago, um, I worked you know, I've been doing soil and water conservation work for twenty-some years. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I worked for the county government, and we got a call that um, there was a particular logger was dragging uh, trees through a stream, which is the, which is a no-no in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So I, I was supposed to go down and check it out, and if it turns out this guy was really doing it, then then I was to call the Fish and Boat Commission. So I went down and looked, and I, um, when I parked, there was a, the railroad track run ran along Ten Mile Creek, and um, there was a lot of graffiti on on the on the uh, overpass for the railroad track. went over the road, this was on a dirt road, and most of it was. I didn't pay much attention to it at the time. It was just like it, it was. This is back in the days when the the waning days of this of the. Um, Want to be satan worshipers were around and, and they would write hail satan and misspell it and it would say hail santan you know
0: <laughs> yeah. so
1: there was there was the usual skulls and swastikas and you know the usual stuff so yeah. i wasn't paying much attention to it And i walked up the embankment walked down a railroad track and i saw where this guy actually had been in the creek so i called the fish and boat commission and the officer came to the to our office a couple of days later and we rode in his vehicle down to look at this place and we saw where they'd been encroached on this stream, and then he said, do "You come down here by yourself." And I said, "Well, yeah." He said, "You shouldn't do that." And I said, "Why?" And he said, "Well, there's there's satanic activity down here," and I was laughing at him. He said, "No, come here." So he was pointing out not the stupid stuff, but like there's stuff yeah. that like gang stuff. He said, "When you see stuff like this, just don't go by yourself. You know, a lot of these people are are." or up to nefarious ends and another Satan horse mm-hmm. person. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> so a while later I was, um, went out to dinner and there's a little Thai restaurant not far from this place. So we went out to dinner and I was telling this story and I said, I'll just show you on the way home where this place is. And we had just bought a brand new Subaru. Mm-hmm. So went down, you know, look at this. Isn't this silly? You know, just a bunch of kids smoking dope and blah, blah. So we got about nine miles away or almost home. And I had just said, look, there's nothing to that. It's just a bunch of kids painting graffiti and we're going about 50 miles an hour and everything electrical in the car shut off everything, the lights, the gauges, the engines, everything went dead, Uh popped it up in the neutral flipped turned the key and it started we had that car i think 13 years and that was the only time it ever did that wow now so after that i thought well okay there's something <laughs> there's something to this story but the graffiti's all gone now it's been painted over but
0: mm-hmm. but now you know what to watch for the next time i know what out. to watch for <laughs> that's awesome well can you um tell our viewers and listeners where they can find you and your work
1: um, I'm kind of like Les O'Dell. I'm not real electronic. I'm I'm te- <laughs> I'm technically challenged. I can be yeah. uh Facebook under Kevin Paul or um the book. The books have a Facebook page, Haunted Hills and Hollows. Um my email address is haunted GC, like Green County, hauntedgc at yahoo.com. Um, any of those would be fine. Um, in fact, if uh, if you don't mind me asking, if any of your listeners have had experience with um, paranormal teams investigating their house or up close experience with a UFO, I'd like to talk to them because I have. Um, I'm trying to gather some information, and I I need to talk to some people that have have worked with uh, paranormal groups or had an, a close encounter. Um, Or on the odd chance that there's a West green alumni out there that actually saw that UFO at the football game. I'd, I'd love to talk to them too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. And the, um, it doesn't matter where anyone lives just as long as they've had that experience. Yeah.
1: I, I'm, um, just trying to gather some data and, Mm -hmm. um, uh, I need to look outside of Greene County for some of this stuff. I have uh, eventually, if I tell, if I think I've told all the stories here, here, I'll probably branch out. But I, I haven't told them all here yet. I don't believe.
0: Yeah, yeah, that may never, that may never finish. Well, that'll make it it's easy, it's always going to be new stories, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for taking time to talk with me today. Um, If you guys could like, subscribe, comment below. You can email me, heather at smalltownmonsters.com. Become a channel member. And uh, yeah, that's it. Until next time.